This is a Dece World production in association with Pants Pending Studios. Malam Keen, everyone. This is Dece, host of The Social Hour. Oh, that? That's just me playing the piano. I'm pretty good, aren't I? You know what else I'm good at? Making people laugh and talking to people, but more importantly, making you think sometimes. So tune into The Social Hour every Tuesday and Thursday at DeeceComedy.com and hear me talk to people like Libertarian presidential candidate Joe Jorgensen, comedian Steve Hofstetter, creator of The Savage Dragon and co-founder of Image Comics, Eric Larson, and the guy who owns the weed shop on the corner by my house. <laughs> We've got range, just like my abilities on this piano. Listen to me mix it up here. We'll just let that play. I'll see you this week on The Social Hour. everyone welcome to the show this is the dollar bin podcast i am your host Dees casillas thanks for coming around for another episode of your favorite comic book review show the dollar bin podcast where we review dollar bin comics and much much more before we get into our picks for this week shout out to our sponsors blue spot comics you can find blue spot comics at blue spot comics on instagram or facebook they're a great resource for new and back issue comics rare variants number ones vintage star wars collectibles gaming equipment marvel toys and much much more go check them out guys they've got great prices and if you tell them the dollar bin sent you you get an extra 10 percent off your first order and now for this week's trade paperback review we're talking about 2018's descender volume one 10 stars covers the first six issues of the series written by jeff lemire and art by dustin nuyan now jeff has worked on a bunch of books such as hawkeye x-men and moon knight for marvel and for dc he worked on superboy justice league dark and green arrow aka dc's lame hawkeye you don't need to wear a mask ollie no one will ever notice your face. Everyone is too distracted by your ridiculous hat. Seriously, somehow you make a guy who chose to dress like a beetle look badass. Dustin Nguyen worked in some books such as Batman, Authority, and Because I Can't Go an Episode Without Mentioning It, Wildcats 3.0 with Joe Casey, the best comic book run of all time. Uh, Joe Casey owes me an RC Cola every time I mention the book on my show. Descender ran for 32 issues, and the book follows Tim 21, an AI device on his adventures as he is a lost sex robot in space. 21 because Tim's former owners were trying to fool the police into thinking their sex dolls were of age. Tell me that's not a sex doll. Why would you make the thing cute if you're not going to bang it? This book is essentially if the movie's Blade Runner and AI had a baby, and then future people tried to have sex with it. Okay, it's more like Spielberg's AI and not Kubrick's AI. Yikes, that would be really weird. And someone would definitely bang that robot if it was Kubrick's. I mean, he'd be wearing an eyes wide shut mask in the whole nine yards real quick. 2001, a sex odyssey. Okay, nobody actually bangs a robot. 
in this volume at least, but it seems heavily implied to me. But all in all, this seems like a great idea. Listen, I've said it a million times, guys. Kids are not our future. Robots are. I've got a robot vacuuming my house as we speak. Kids aren't doing that shit. They're just smoking meth, breaking into your apartment, stealing your PlayStation 2. And in this, we combine them and have kid companion robots. I mean, I don't like kids, but they do seem better when you can recycle them and upgrade to a better model if you get bored. This one plays soccer. Gross. Can I get one who plays an American sport? Plus, historically, we all know nothing bad has ever happened when we create artificially intelligent robots, right? Yikes. So here, Tim wakes up on the moon after a catastrophic event which has left everyone else dead, and he's been asleep or whatever creepy thing robots do while we sleep for like 10 years. He's thrust into an adventure as scientists on Earth have discovered his codex matches that of the destroyers during the aforementioned catastrophic event, so they grab the creator of Tim and... Anyway, they all head off to space and do cool space stuff in space with a robot on the moon. Hijinks ensue. There is an added element that the robots are now outlawed and were hunted to extinction, which is kind of strange because humans are usually so tolerant of anything that's a little different from them, right? I mean, even if they don't understand it, we're like, no problem, we're cool. There's a group known as the Scrappers. They're an opposing foe, a group of rogues who go around cleaning up robot mess and destroying them so they can't, I don't know, be helper kids anymore because that would be terrible. Oh no, this robot's helping an overworked mom with the dishes so she can take a fucking break for once. God, you wonder why she has a drinking problem. Whiskey at noon? You got it, Tim21. Boop. All in all, this story is very engaging and has all the elements of a great sci-fi book and finds ways to make robots the most human part in the book, actually. Tim's childlike innocence is very charming and infectious. Uh, there's bad guys, there's space pirates, intrigue, and a whole tapestry being slowly unraveled for us at a perfect pace. There's some mysteries behind this scientist who allegedly created Tim and possibly didn't it turns out and how he may have stolen that technology and where it originally came from uh, that you get a little bit of in the first six issues uh, and does unfold more over the rest of the series but this first six issues really knows how to hook you in and this whole time we're viewing this book through the prism of tim 21 and all we're taught this whole time is the lesson to never trust adults they're always shit people trying to take away your youth I don't know if that's what this book is about, but it's certainly what I got out of it. And also, my therapist says it's not my fault my mom doesn't love me. Beyond the very compelling story, Dustin Nguyen delivers some of the best art of his career. He has some of the crispest, most unique lines I've ever seen in comic books, and he also manages to draw some of the most expressive faces you could imagine. Here we have Dustin's art cranked up to the nth degree and it's absolutely breathtaking. Uh, the raw, almost pastel watercolor look is so bleak and smooth at the same time. It gives a very gray palette with streaks of very poppy colors in some of the characters, some magentas, some blues, things like that at the right time, but very just kind of muted tones for this dystopian future. It really complements a future that is dark and not always bright and cheery. Honestly, all in all, I don't know what more you could want from a trade paperback. So we're just going to go ahead and say it. This is a $9 book. 
It's near perfect. There's really not much more you could ask from this book. The art is absolutely stunning. Uh, it couldn't get any better. The story is well-paced and has many adventures while an overarching uh, longer story is definitely unfolding, developing, and it keeps you compelled. The little arcs are very good at keeping this pace moving. Uh, and there's some adventure, uh, but a lot of whimsy because you're all looking at through, again, a childlike innocence in Tim 21. So I highly recommend this book, guys. Uh, there's a couple different trade paperbacks, and they made a sequel called Ascender, uh, which I haven't read yet, but I do look forward to reading. Uh, definitely give us Descender a look. Uh, they are actually making a movie out of it. They had uh, somebody purchased the rights to it a couple years ago, so hopefully we'll see that soon, and hopefully they don't destroy it. And now for the dollar bin pick of the week. We go to 1994's Gen 13 from Image Comics and Wildstorm Studios. It's funny because Gen 13 number one is not a dollar bin book as you may think. I'm actually surprised I found this in a dollar bin, but them's the rules. If I find it, I get to review it. Realistically, this is still probably a five, six dollar book at a back issue or on eBay or something like that. It's not really technically a dollar bin in general book, but like I said, that's where I found it, so we're going with it. This book was written by Brandon Choi and Jim Lee with art by a very young J. Scott Campbell who went on to create Danger Girl. And it turns out was always good at drawing boobs and women with legs twice the length of the rest of their body. Yeah, that's anatomy. If you don't know who Brandon Choi is, that makes sense because he's never really done anything. If it's been said once, it's been said a million times. Brandon Choi is the DJ Yella of Wildstorm Studios. It's cliche for a reason. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff for everyone, but nobody's sure what. What do you mean comic book nerds won't understand my 1980s hip-hop reference with DJ Yella? Pfft, it's the same demographic. 80s hip-hop fans and comic book fans, that Venn diagram is a circle. Brandon Choi actually scripted a bunch of the Wildstorm books over the first few years in its infancy, uh, but really all that was very cut and paste. Every new book Brandon Choi scripted was like a Wildstorm Studios bingo card. Black Razors, IO, Lynch, Team 7, Gen Active, and the free space, bingo! Bingo! <laughs> Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of words on these pages. That's for sure. A lot. One may even say too many. Also, I'm not sure if he understands how punctuation works because every sentence ends with an exclamation mark. These people are always exclaiming everything. I am yelling at you. How are you doing? What is going on? But despite all that, not much is ever really said. The craziest part to me about going back and reading this book, uh, first of all, I don't know if I'd ever actually read this book before. I was a huge Wildstorm fan, but I don't think I'd ever read the early Gen 13 books. But what really blew my mind is this book came out Oh, only about a year or so after the Wildcats number one debuted. Just a year. It seems like it was multiple years, but no, it's just one. I would have assumed this was like six years later, and this was kind of like the reinvigoration of Wildstorm. But this was around the same time Wildcats number 13 came out. But really, as I go back, that timeline kind of tracks, because Gen 13 and Stormwatch were really the big hits in the Wildstorm universe. Despite being the original cornerstone of the Wildstorm universe, Wildcats really floundered and meandered a lot from the very beginning. 
That's all something I'll be talking about on a later episode. Currently, I'm completing reading volume five of Wildcat so I can do a show on the entire five volumes. I have a lot to say about them. I'm not even going to start because I would go all night. It might be a long episode, so buckle up for that one, guys. But we're going to go through all five volumes of Wildcats. Now, again, Gen 13 was wildly popular at the time. It blew up. I mean, this book was crazy hot when it was released. And reading it now, I can definitely see why. Uh, there's lots of TNA. Jim Lee had a hand in it. And Wildstorm was a hot franchise at the time. Chris Claremont was about to do a run on Wildcats. Stormwatch was killing it. It's around the time Warren Ellis would have been taking over from Ron Mars, really catapulting Stormwatch into a complete franchise, which still exists today, thanks to Warren Ellis. Wolf Portacio's Wetworks was about to drop their first issue. The Wildstorm universe probably was the biggest thing and most consistent studio out of all of the Image Studios. Top Cow hadn't quite hit their stride yet, although they would in a couple years with the debut of Witchblade. Also, it really makes sense that Wildstorm was eventually bought by DC Comics in 1999 because Wildstorm was shoving a buttload of continuity and backstory down our throats every issue and making sure we all knew the buzzwords, just like DC in their movies. But they just did it way too fast. There wasn't time to really get to know one thing before the next thing was released. But as we discussed last issue with Young Blood, this was common with the early image days. They just wanted more number ones and more series. I think these guys had ADD. They're like, oh, new series. Crank out four issues and then I completely forget about it and who cares what happens to it? It's like me with kids. Gen 13 features a group of kids who were gen active, meaning they have potential for powers and the government plans to exploit it. Not a new concept at all, but it's very workable. Unfortunately, Brandon Choi would find a way to make the phone book more boring if he wrote it, as he did with Gen 13. I mean, he is so wordy. Every single character feels like a trope, a caricature of something else. Like if a kid was told to create a comic book, this is what he'd come up with. There's so much melodrama. Every character has to be hard and edgy and badass. There's no nuance. Nothing seems like a genuine character development or building relationships. We just have big scenes smushed between hot women and edgy looking badass guys. Oddly enough, this book would become the linchpin of the Wildstorm universe, though, as they jump from the original alien war of the Daemonites in the Caribbean to the Gen Active idea. Uh, the whole Daemonite Caribbean thing was dumped very early on. It still existed in the universe, but it had nothing to do with the way the Wildstorm universe evolved. This Gen Active idea with the Black Razors and internal operations and Lynch gave us Team 7, Kindred, DV8, Team 1, a few different Grifter books, and more. Sorry, The Grifter. We'll talk about that another time. But honestly, again, despite loving the Wildstorm universe at the time, I was never a Gen 13 fan. I don't know why. I just never read it. I don't even think I picked up an issue and considered reading it. It was deep into its run before I ever read any Gen 13. I did read Deviate for a while, which is close as I could get, but Warren Ellis was doing something very different with that offshoot of Gen 13. That book was actually really, really great writing and characterization. That was 100% a character piece with very little else going on. There was almost no action in Deviate. You just had these extreme characters interweaving in very interpersonal ways. And what is really mind-blowing again about this book is that Gen 13 
might be Wildstorm's most consistent and possibly longest running book of all time, with almost 140 issues in all printed over four different volumes. It launched with a five-issue miniseries, and then the regular series ran for a total of 80 issues. I don't think any other Wildstorm book has ran even close to 80 issues. All said and done, Stormwatch may be around 140 issues total, but that's if you're accounting the volumes of authority also. Stormwatch alone, there's no way it's close to 140. But all in all, again, as much as I love Jim Lee, as much as I have fondness for this time in comic books, and have a soft spot for it, as well as I'm a huge proponent of the Wildstorm universe, Gen 13 truly is a dollar bin comic. <laughs> There's no substance here, and it was all right place, right time. Uh, this is the epitome of a mid-90s book when they strayed away from guns and pouches and replaced it with busty women. Vampirella, Lady Death, Dark Child, etc. The early 90s is all guns, knives, pouches, and shoulder blades. Mid 90s, just busty broads, busting heads. They were thinly veiled stories, just words put together in thought bubbles over 22 pages and pinup shots of hot women. Hey, these guys knew their demo, mid 90s, teenage boys, and it worked. Hey, this was before the internet. Some of us had to beat off to Lady Death. But in retrospect, these are not good books. Everything seems ham-handed and inconsistent, very choppy storytelling. J. Scott Campbell's art is pretty good, but you can tell he evolved greatly as a storyteller and artist over the years. A lot of the pictures, the people barely have faces. It's kind of odd. And just the proportions are very odd. Again, uh, I think he just didn't know how long women's legs were. I don't know if he's ever seen an actual woman. So sadly, Gen 13, Dollar Bin comic. But the good news is, Descender Volume 1, 10 stars, $9 comic. That is a $9 trade paperback, guys. Go get that, read that, check it out. All right, guys, that's it for the Dollar Bin podcast. Thanks for hanging out. We appreciate it. Uh, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Do all the stuff. You see the things. They're right here. Go follow them. Check them out. Find me. And again, thanks to our sponsor, Blue Spot Comics. You can find them on Instagram and at Blue Spot Comics. They've got a bunch of great inventory and update their site daily, so check that out. As for me, guys, again, just follow me. Go to DeeceComedy.com. Check out everything going on. And that's it for the Dollar Bin Podcast. I've been Deese. Peace.